Crusaders to New Crusade Podcast, episode 27. This week we're going to be talking about a few TV shows and whatnot. Uh, we're talking about the season finale of Secret Invasion. Uh, first part of uh, The Witcher, which was episodes 4 and 5. The second part came out this week, but we haven't fin- finished watching that yet. We'll cover that next week. Uh, we watched Good Omens, so we'll be talking about that. And then Harley Quinn show also premiered uh, this week, so we'll talk a little bit about uh, the first couple episodes of that. Uh, with me, as always, here is Courtney. Hello. Um, so I guess we'll jump into uh, the first thing, Secret Invasion, uh, final episode, uh, which was called, uh, not Beloved, uh, Home. Home. Um, so what did you think of the episode? I felt like it was a bit of a letdown, to be honest. Yeah, supposedly it got like 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Um, fans were not happy with it, but Marvel fans are never happy with anything. Um, but I would say this show was kind of a letdown, um, mainly because like, a lot of the episodes were a half hour. Yeah, it needed to be an hour-long episode, like uh, Jack Ryan or even um, a lot of the TV dramas that were on uh ABC back in the day that were those kind of detective procedurals and uh, spy procedurals that they did. Uh, Yeah, it was just a big kind of letdown. I thought it picked up between episodes two, three, and four were good. And then just kind of crashed and burned after, you know... The last two just kind of went, ugh, tripped over on the finish line. Yeah, and I don't know if the writer's strike had anything to do with, like, if writers should no, going they're going to be possibly going on strike or something's happening in the studio, but it feels like it was just wrapped up real quick to be wrapped up. Yeah. I don't think it was writer's strike that caused it, because this had to have been written about a over a year ago, and... Yeah, I don't know what well, they were thinking for half-hour episodes. Well, what I see is the writer strike possible. I'm not thinking that oh, the strike's coming up, so they were they quickly wrote it and got done with done with it. I'm thinking more so they knew that hey, we're going to negotiations. Things don't sound good. Like that maybe that's weighing on writers' minds, so they weren't giving their best effort. Maybe who knows? I don't know. It, it's it's really weird. Um, I there's also something I noticed with the Witcher's episodes that we'll talk about. And I think it comes to the writing. Um, it might just be the inexperience of younger writers on teams or whatnot or something. Um, I feel like, I don't know how the source material ends this storyline, but I feel like there's probably more spycraft in the comics than yeah. what was shown here. And what I wanted to see was more of Fury spycraft stuff, not just that he's a super spy because he had a whole bunch of secret scrolls working for him all these years. And that's he, why he was so good. It's like... like Fury is good by himself as well, which they showed a little bit of that throughout the series. Very little. But it wasn't a lot. Yeah, it was just a letdown. Like, you have Samuel Jackson, dude. Make him be a badass at the end, not just meh. Yeah. Um, so, so basically in this episode... Spoiler territory now. Yeah, this episode, what happens is that uh, he goes to give the harvest to Gravik as agreed. Um, and then there's also... Um, kind of attack to get the president away from Rhodey, who's also a scroll, which is kind of weird because the whole thing, even in, even in the harvest episode, when they, when he saves the president, takes him to the hospital, lets Rhodey and them know where he's at. So it's not like he was kidnapping the president. Uh, he 
calls out Rudy as a scroll, he says, well, what are you going to prove that is blow my head off and you don't want to die right now? Because if he shot him there, then the Secret Service guards would shoot him immediately, right? But he would prove that Rudy's a scroll. He could just cut off his fucking finger and it would have proven it. Yeah. Or so, cut up, you know, like, something. Honestly, what I would do is I would just blow his head off. It's like, see, he's a fucking scroll, dude. Mm-hmm. And then you wouldn't have to worry about this whole other thing of trying to get the president away from Rhodey that they do at the end of six. Like, he should have killed Rhodey in his hotel room when he right there because he knew he was a scroll. Yeah. Um, but still didn't. Uh, regardless of whatever bullshit Rhodey had had laid out with, oh, I have the video of you killing uh, Maria Hill as my insurance, and I have multiple copies of it. Like, he he released, he was going to release it anyway, he di- which he did, and that didn't seem to really have an effect on anything. Yeah, it just proved like, oh, they're, well, they wrapped it with, oh, they're scrolls that can intimidate humans. Yeah, and the thing was, and like, just... it didn't hinder his ability to travel or do anything. He went to Finland using a fucking face mask. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, and it wasn't like, like, the technology is supposed to be good because it's a cloak, like, thing that made him made it change his hair and his face. But the mask that he was wearing as an actor was clearly, like, that's a mask on somebody's face. Yeah, it was <laughs> it some early Mission Impossible type shit. Yeah, it looked like that. Um, so, like, that whole little plot point didn't make any sense. Well, also, during the scene where uh, the president has his cabinet in with him... And Brody's talking down to an admiral. That shit wouldn't happen. That shit wouldn't fly. Yeah, and the thing is, is that because... And we figured when watching again for a second time, like, they keep referring to him as Colonel uh, Rhodey. Yeah, Colonel Rhodes. Or Colonel Rhodes, right? Um, which, if you're not in the military anymore, they wouldn't call you by your rank. Nope. So if he's not in the military and he's just a presidential advisor, then fine, he could talk down to an admiral. But no, he's called Colonel Rhodes. So they're, they're calling him by his rank. The admiral would have shut him the fuck up. Said, "I don't give a fuck what you are. You're a colonel. I'm an admiral. I'm part of the chief of staffs, and I'm saying this isn't something that we should be jumping to conclusions on." Yeah, not certainly jumping right now at yeah, it. Yeah, and like Rody couldn't even sit, honestly that type of argument. Rody would not be able to sit there and say, "Well, you weren't there. I was," because yeah, Rody was there. But Rody didn't get his ass out of the car and defend the president like he normally would have. Yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, you were there. Where were you? Oh, I was sitting in my car, my bulletproof vehicle. Well, why in the fuck did you get out and help help fight? Like, yeah, why else? didn't you get in you, your suit? You're a, you're an you're a suit you're like an act. You're a wartime military soldier, uh, war machine, Iron Patriot. You get the fuck out and you fight. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Maybe um, he this does this doesn't really work with other figures. So maybe he doesn't have access to uh, war machine because he's not the real roadie. But then if he was, when we find it like, we were thinking Rhodey got taken was probably after Civil War. And Rhodey was definitely in the Endgame fight, I believe, right? Yeah, he was in Endgame. You yeah. saw him flying around, <clears throat> shooting Yeah, so Thanos. like, the, if he, the scroll can't use the use the, the Iron Man gear, it wouldn't be in Endgame. But we think Rhodey got taken during Civil War, most likely. But... Just judging that, when you yeah, because when they when they release Rhodey, he's in a medical gown. So when would he have been in a medical gown after he got his back blown, his legs and back blown out in Civil War? Yeah. Um, but that's the side of that. So basically, what happens is this gets broken down to like two basic fights. Where like we see 
uh, Fury going to Gravik to go and deliver the harvest, and him getting sicker and sicker as he goes because they're on a radiated uh, nuclear plant. Yeah. Which they don't seem to explain how many of the humans are still alive or don't get sick as they go in there. But then again, there's an explanation I think there is for that. Um, mm-hmm. But he's getting sicker and sicker. Gravik's like t- talking shit to him, telling him that it's all his fault type of stuff, which Fury knows. That's why whole reason why he came back to Earth to deal with this problem because he feels responsible. Yeah. Um, but gives the harvest to Gravik. Gravik ends up using it. With Fury in the machine, which is kind of weird, but okay. Uses it. And then finds out that Fury's not Fury. Fury's actually Gaia, who just now got zapped with the Super Scroll Serum, just like he did. Yep. So, Gravik and Gaia are fighting. They both have all the same superpowers. Fury is actually back at the hospital. In with, London. In, Lo- in London with um, the MI6 gal. Yep. Uh, can't remember her name. Uh, but the the queen or the, the murder uh, yeah, great actress and did a great role in this where basically uh, he's running him and her are running interference on get, getting Rhodey and uh, stopping the pre- the president to stop the missile launch which would kill the scrolls in the cabin which clearly aren't there they all left after uh, the kind of mutiny that that uh, happened in the last happened episode. In the last episode. So just kill all the high official uh, humans who are trapped there who were replaced by scrolls, and maybe Gravik and Gaia who are fighting there. Um, basically, they have a superhero fight. Gaia wins, kills Gravik, basically. Uh, rescues all the humans. The thing that makes no sense about him, like, coughing, Fury, like, which hurts Fury coughing and, like, getting radiated on the way in yeah. is that none of the humans have any of the symptoms on the way out which means like well I guess like she's faking it and she's playing it up really too much because she doesn't know how much radiation is yeah, affecting him like just how that would actually affect a human <clears throat> you know going into this radiation well, place yeah. like, it's we- like yeah they would probably you know be sickly but would it <laughs> affect it like instantaneous unless you're right next to like the reactor yeah if the ground was that irradiated they wouldn't be walking humans out of there like no problem. They would like, all right, keep them in this their little husk thing or whatever is keeping them safe. Yeah, yeah. like they walk we'll wheel them out. They walk them out, and nobody's in there killed of her coughing and possibly dying of radiation poisoning. The way she was playing out as Fury was even down by the reactor where the machine was at. Yeah, because um, he was weak and stumbling around out on the surface. Um, but basically, yeah. What doesn't make sense in this whole episode is that um, Gaia going to go fight Gravik, we didn't know that was coming. And we didn't know, and there's no point where Fury shares that plan with her or has the time to do that because the last time he meets her, um, he kind of, they kind of just talk about uh, her father and then sirens go off and he leaves. He doesn't like, yeah. it doesn't cut to, okay, their conversation's over and then we're cutting to a new scene. It cuts to him leaving and mm-hmm. not, hey, here's the plan of what we're going to do. Yeah, I think the somewhat of a hint is in the episode five, The Harvest, at the very end. Because you see him pick up the phone. the phone and he says, it's time. So that's like her cue to go and be yep. uh, him. But still, like some, you needed more spycraft in this show. Yeah, And that's what was missing a lot, especially after episode four. Yeah, because the only explanation, because 
Talos tries to tell Gaia prior that, hey, his plan was that they carve out a home for themselves on the planet. And then, like, she, I'm assuming Fury had to tell Gaia this or she or she pulled it from his memory when she turned when she took his identity to trick Gravik. This conversation with Gravik is that I wanted to carve a home for you here on the planet because we can't obviously find you a home. Hey, duh, we're the human race. We can't even get past our own solar system right now. There's one superhuman being who can fly through space that, that he knows of. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course she didn't find a fucking planet for them to live on. And, like, so the only option is we'll carve a place for you out here. And then Gravis asks, well, why didn't you do that? And he says the same answer he told Dallas. is like, I can't change the minds of a billion people. It's easier to save their lives than change their hearts and minds. We're a racist, violent species. There's no way we would accept an alien race and share the planet with them. Even yeah. if it's like, cool, you can live where we can't. Go live there. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, even the logistics of how that stuff wouldn't work or could work or whatnot, it's just not going to happen. And that's kind of proven at the end of all this when everything gets resolved. The president gives a speech about how they're going to wipe out all the scrolls and then basically starts a war on scrolls that really obviously is by luck like some of them are vigilantes are shooting down people who are scrolls and some of them are someone killed the prime minister of uh Eng- of the uk yeah. who wasn't a scroll uh so he's just caused mass it, panic yeah that's all he did so like which is weird because how this ends is like yeah cool he stopped gravic and all that He's going to go back to the space station. He's going to take his wife with him uh, to help out with another solution that they may come up with. But basically, the world's left in a worse spot because now humans know scrolls are on the planet. And there's a bunch of bunch of vigilante justice going on of people killing killing each other, trying to kill scrolls or trying to... Uh, scrolls defending themselves and wiping out these idiots who are going after them. Yeah. And basically what this ties into is that whole uh, conspiracy theory that's been going on for, in our world for, for decades that <laughs> politicians or whatnot are lizard people. <laughs> yes. So that's why the scrolls are green when us. Yeah. They're the green lizard people that, that control everything. theory. From the Andromeda system or whatnot. Oh, or God. the Alpha Centauri conspiracy. It's yeah. like cyberpunk. That's what this ties into. Um... <laughs> So now the world's kind of like where we are at today. We said we don't have people randomly shooting down politicians thinking that they're lizard men and proving that some are and some aren't or whatnot, or that news media people are or whoever's controlling things are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the world's left in a worse state, and, like, he didn't stop World War Three. He stopped a, war, a world war between, like, the U.S. and Russia, but he didn't really stop a huge worldwide conflict from happening. It just kind of yeah. happened. He didn't bother to tell the president, like, okay, understand this, because if he did, then we didn't see it. And the president clearly didn't. He just went on and did a hateful-ass speech. Yep. And then told Fury, if you want to save the scrolls, get the fuck off my planet. And so he he leaves. But the one solution he does offer is that, hey, he does tell his wife that the Creed have agreed to a peace treaty. <coughs> or or uh, peace, peace talks. talks. Not a treaty, a talk. Right so now. the one solution is... Which should have been the solution from the get-go was that, hey, we'll talk to the Creed and we'll see if we can negotiate a peace treaty between you guys so you can get your fucking planet back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's what's actually going to happen moving forward is his wife comes with him to help do the politics and she says she's got to go back to Earth to do her own thing. Um, but basically that 
she they're gonna start peace talks with the Kree, which they're probably doing that only because of the blip. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that Ronan's gone because he uh, Guardians of the Galaxy destroyed him and he was the hateful piece of shit on their planet who was running things. Mm-hmm. So if there's peace talks with the Kree, then the scrolls can go back to their home planet and do their own thing. They just got promised to not be warmongers like they were before. Yeah. Um, but at the meantime, they got to hide on Earth and hopefully not get outed or killed by random vigilantes that nobody's going to be apparently stopping. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it puts... The next thing with Fury is going to be the Marvels, or, yeah, Marvels with Captain Marvel, uh... Rambo. Rambo and... Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel. Uh, but it's going to be weird because, like, their conflict doesn't seem to have anything to do with what the world state's going to be at. And the world state's yeah. now completely changed. <clears throat> so it's going to be even weirder. Yeah, so we'll have to see how this is going to tie in with the rest of the movies, possibly. Yeah, like you said, like it's like the Eternals. Like, the Eternals ended with a world-changing event that was t- stupid because everybody everybody in the universe would have, in the MCU, would have to acknowledge that it happened. And they decided to ignore that it happened. Yeah. There's no mention of, hey, there's this half-god thing coming out of the Pacific Ocean that was just left there. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there going to be, are they going to acknowledge this in the future or are they just going to be like, oh, the scroll war, yeah, that's nothing, that's nothing. It's just a conspiracy, consp- conspiracy theory of lizard people. Yeah. Let's just ignore it. <laughs> Except for the, you know, a live, like, Fox TV host got shot down and turned well, into a scroll on TV. <laughs> well, that's all they showed. <clears throat> yeah, so like... But, I, but they said that, <laughs> You know, there were multiple scrolls that were killed that were in uh, higher offices. Yeah, that's the thing is that, like, the MI6 chick... And I'm since. And the MI6 chick killing her boss, who was a scroll, they keep that quiet. But when it happens on television, it's like, oh, yeah. well, look, that's proof there are lizard people here. There are lizard people. So, then, like, that doesn't, come, that doesn't turn into a conspiracy theory. It turns into, like, this is a real thing. What, how are we handling it? Right. And it's one of those things that when you leave a world... In the MCU like that, um, you're gonna have to address. People it. have to address it, or you end up ignoring it, and then you just pretend that shit didn't happen. Then, and so it's kind of like that's the problem with how, how these comic book stories work anyway. When you have these long running stories, where they all they're all interconnected, like that's what exactly happens is that you have like Fu- Nick Fury Secret Invasion comic book runs. All right, the next X-Men comic book comes out after that time in the timeline, and it doesn't acknowledge this. Right. Just like the MCU doesn't acknowledge X-Men or Professor uh, Xavier or the fact that humans hate mutants and all that shit has never come up in the MCU. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they bring the X-Men in, that has to be thrown in there because that's the major political the thing of X-Men is that yeah. the humans don't like mutants and they keep fucking fighting each other. Um even though the MCU is dealing with more bigger problems than that, that would have to be something that has to be acknowledged as an existing factor in world politics. Exactly. <clears throat> That's the thing, is that comic books don't always do that because they're always written by different people. The torch gets passed on to somebody else who wants to write a different story or reboot something here, do something there. So then it gets all muddled, mm-hmm. and then you don't have this continued storyline, which is why like the Iron Man to in- Endgame. Endgame saga is like the most cohesive... like. Because they had a... Universe plan that they had. Yeah, because they had a plan. They're like, here's phase one. Here's phase two. Here's phase three. And we want to get to phase three. And they had that all written out and all figured out. Yeah, they... And after phase three, they're like, 
oh shit, what do we do now? And it's been a scramble. Yeah, and they've since. kind of been like, oh cool, this makes money. Let's who else wants to make a movie? Oh, you want to make a movie? Why take heed? All right, cool. Hey, you want to do something too? Hey, you let's you let's you do something. Yeah. And it's been the they keep trying to phrase that as though this is phase four and phase five. It's like you don't have a phase four and phase five. You're letting people do whatever the fuck they want, and they're going way off off script to like do world changing events. Because like the original end end of the Eternals was she wanted to blow up the planet and kill and destroy Earth, and they had to tell her no, you can't do that. We have other Spider Man movies and other shit to make that take place here, so you can't blow destroy up the fucking it. Earth. And the thing is like they're going to get to the point. Where they just gotta cut off continuity and be like, all right, well, this doesn't exist. And they kind of have that, they already set up with the escape card to get out of the corner that they paint themselves into, which is, oh, it's multiverse. We'll just to another universe. Yeah. And that's what they'll do by the end of the King legacy is that they'll just jump to whatever universe they want and claim that this isn't the same universe as that. Um, if they get to finish the King legacy, but, uh, yeah. uh, dynasty sort of like they're trying to do. But who knows? A lot of people are getting burnt out from these superhero movies, so hopefully, I'm kind of hoping in the next few years we just kind of dwindle away from superhero movies, and with the writer's strike and the actor's strike, we can start to get back into more indie and experimental type films. Yeah, which because... Would be nice. Except for the fact, like, I think the next big rush, or what it might end up being, is because of the popularity of the Barbie movie, is Mattel no! has gone and called for uh like 14 franch uh game franchises to be turned into movies yeah like Polly pocket probably mighty max a bunch of other shit <clears throat> which some have worked in the past as cartoon shows or whatnot well yeah but, that's fine for cartoon but like shows we don't need motion pictures based off of toys we need original stories or whatnot and i guess we haven't seen the barbie movie yet but from what i've heard on it is that it's supposed to be to the point um where, like, everybody's saying, Mattel doing this means they missed the point of the Barbie movie. Oh, yeah. It was a fresh, cool idea using a property, not using a property... To make more to, toys. To make more toys. Um, which makes sense. A toy company wouldn't understand what the hell Gregor was doing and all that. Mm -hmm. um, that's just how that how this stuff works. Um, so... We'll have to go on from there. Yeah. So that was uh, Secret Invasion. Out of all the Marvel shows, still WandaVision and Loki are the best ones. Yep. This kind of falls mediocre, I would say. It's on the lower end. It's not the <clears throat> worst show. Yeah, I think, honestly, the worst show, even though I, I enjoyed watching it, was probably She-Hulk. Yeah. Because it, it just it, all over the fucking place at the end of it. Well, and also, they never figured out exactly how they wanted to present it, either. Because, <clears throat> yeah. like, it was once in a blue moon, she would you know, break the fourth wall. It's like, have her break the fourth wall at a time if that's what you're going to do. Yeah, and then and have the last is... episode be all fourth wall break. And, and yeah, and you weird. expect that. And you're like, okay, this is fine. This is, you know, what the show was going for. But just do it once in a while and then just kind of it be somewhat procedural, somewhat not. It's just, yeah, they did not know what they wanted to do. And it was very evident. Yeah. All right, so now on to The Witcher. We finished yes. the first five episodes of it. Yep, so we're talking about episodes four and, and five. five. Uh, the Invitation and The Art of Illusion. And um, honestly, like, stuff moved forward in The Invitation to get yep. to a point. Invitation was great. That then, was fine. We're like, all right, you're 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 finding your footing. And then we get to The Art of Illusion. And I'm like, yo, 
fucked up your footing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, let's move the plot forward. Okay, let's completely stop it to have, have, have a stupid ball. And the thing why, why I feel like it's stupid and why it doesn't feel right to me is because, like, in the games, you wouldn't... People didn't do that, I don't feel like, in Witcher 3. Like, they say they're going to have a conclave, a meeting of minds to try and figure out what we're, what we're going to do next for war leaders. They don't throw a fucking ball. Yeah. And then, then they're going to have their conclave. Like, this was the obligatory, like... Hey, they're high in high school uh, drama. We gotta have a prom episode. We gotta have a big dance episode. Everybody looks nice, and they get to flirty, and they all get to talk to each other. Yeah, and it's like, and then someone has sex. It was fucking stupid. It was awful. Especially <laughs> since like, also have this the ball. cutting and yeah. editing in that episode sucked. Be- but before we get to episode five, let's talk about episode four, the invitation, the one that there was hope for this season so far. Yeah, now was there any fighting for her? Yes, there was the big fight on the boat. Where <coughs> oh, was yeah. Witchering. Yeah, so yeah, there was the last bit of witchering that happened where basically they were told there was some sea monster tearing down boats so they would have to go around instead of take a boat to uh, the the witch, the mage's capital, yes. uh, whatever it's called. <clears throat> uh, but Siri so was like, no, we're witchers. We can fucking take care of this shit. Yep, and uh, Gerald was a proud papa. Yeah, so like they go on the boat. Uh, that's heading toward the, where everybody on there is basically going to this party that Yasker wasn't invited to. <laughs> so he's being a, he was all but her. He's it was adorable. Whiny bitch about it. Um, but the sea monster jumps on the boat and Siri and Gerald Jer- 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 uh, take it down. Technically, Siri ends up doing the final blow where she got above it and fucking landed on it and put a sword through its head and killed it, which is badass. Yes. Uh, so it's like him being being happy and being proud that she was a good witcher. Uh, which is one of the things that she want, might want to be. Because in Witcher 3, you have the option of like, returning her to her father. <coughs> so she could be, a, be uh, the future queen. queen. Future queen of Nilfgaard. Um, or like she could help her become a witcher. Or, think or that, she can die. Or she ends up dying, <laughs> yeah. But like throughout the whole series here with Ciri, Geralt's the only person that's always like, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And whatever you want to do, I'll help you do that. Well, even uh, Yasker in this episode was kind of the same. He was it's like the caring uncle. Every I felt like this episode, you got more character growth from the main three or the main four characters. Yeah, I think which yeah, was nice. I think to Yas- see that. I think Yasker kind of understands Siri a little bit more. But before he got to this point, it's like, oh, she would totally be safe from Rodania. Yeah, she needs to go over there where they want to marry her off and make her the queen of Rodania. Um. Which is why I think this was a great <clears throat> episode so far in this uh, series. Yeah. And then, like, basically, they're on their way to where Yennefer's at, at the mage's capital area, their little castle that they have. Mm-hmm. And Yennefer's off getting all the other mages in the world, um, except the one in Nilfgaard, all the ones in the main northern continent, uh, to come to this conclave so that they can try and broker peace and be united and try and be better. Um, but... Des- uh, Destra and Dijkstra. Phil- Dijkstra and Philippa are ordered to go as well <clears throat> when they go when she goes to Rodania, um, which brings also uh, the king's son too. So they all go there. The second son. Yeah, the second son. They all uh, go into this uh, conclave, um, but like I say, like they have a conclave, but it's like oh, then they gotta have a ball before the conclave. And it's like why? Just have a nice dinner. Like we- hi, everybody. Thank you for coming. Here's dinner. Now get to your fucking rooms. Which is weird because it's like this is a place where like they teach people how to be mages. 
They rip vaginas out of women. <laughs> they turn they turn failures into eels. Like this is not like a place where you have political balls and shit. Yeah. Just bring them in and have the fucking conversation and point and out and point out who's who's backstabbing who because that's the whole point was that okay we're gonna go and like we know that this head guy of the Brotherhood is prob- is working against us, which they do prove they and we know it's him because he healed the. Uh, Reeker's uh, hands or whatnot, Reese's hands or whatnot, the, yeah. the fire mage that's been fucking with them. But it turns out there's another person fucking around too, which at the very end of the episode they realize who that is and that they... Th- that's in episode five, dear. That You're is jumping that- ahead. Well, that is the end of episode five. Yeah. Um, but basically, four, they're all getting to this conclave, but like five is the ridiculous ball of the conclave. Yeah, where <clears throat> the only people that are... The main characters that are part of it are just Jennifer and Gerald, or Daryl, whatever the fuck you want to say it. Uh, and yeah, it was just, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was, what, 40 minutes too long? Well, because they retell the party twice, which doesn't make three sense. Times. They say it, they do it three That's right, times. They do it three times, and what doesn't make sense about and it... And the editing for it was awful. What doesn't make sense about it is that they're not, t- it's not like... Geralt's telling Siri what's happening, and they're or at one point, and then like Yennefer's telling Siri what happened at the party. Like getting those two perspectives, Geralt and Yennefer are talking about the party to each other. Yeah, they were both fucking there. They know what happens. Why are you recounting the events of the night with the same person, other than the, other than the one point where you guys split up and he talked to different people, and then he came back together, uh, and then you went and did your thing. It's like. It was very, you don't need to recount that, let alone three times through, like, two different perspectives. Just get to the conclusion of, yeah. oh, yeah, remember that after I, fa- I had a fake fight with your ex-boyfriend? And then you hit off, and then you got caught, but then we went up, we all went up there and caught we the bad all... guy with you. Yeah. It's like, it's why like, do we oh. tell the story three times? It's so stupid. It was bad. It was bad, bad, bad. Basically, the way we get out of this whole thing is that Dijkstra knows that Geralt has Siri. And he says, "Hey, you say tells him, hey, you need to pick a side and you need to fucking give her to us. She'll be safer there." And Garrett tells him to fuck off, which he should have. And then the mages are telling Garrett that he needs to fucking pick a side. Everyone's telling Garrett to pick a side. Yeah, it's Ger- like I'm a fucking witcher. I don't have a side. Fuck off. And that's the thing is, Garrett says he he laughs at himself. laughs at them, saying, "It's funny how my neutrality pisses everybody the fuck off." It's like. He's not going to be the person that turns the tide of a battle of whatever fucking war you want to fight. That's why he's completely neutral and doesn't give a shit about political lines, which is one of the things he tells Siri is that when she's trying to decide what she wants to do, whether she wants to become a wizard, makes her a stronger queen, or be a witcher, or whatever she wants to do, uh, he tells her that like, lines of countries are invisible borders that people make the fuck up. But like taking a life is a serious thing, and like you don't take a life unless you absolutely fucking have to. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very apparent, like through how how Geralt does everything in this series, and also in the video game as well. Like where, uh, good example is like the one quest that we were watching earlier today, where like they finds the godling. It's like, yeah, he's not like, oh, whoa, look, you're a demon fucking up a house. People want me to kill you. Yeah. Oh no, you're a fucking godling. Get the fuck out of here. Like you're not. You're harmless. Stop fucking around. Yeah. Um, so it's not. He's he's neutral and plays everything by his own rules. Yeah, everybody thinks they need him on one side or the other. Basically, by the end of this episode, um, after they basically uh, basically get the head of the Brotherhood locked up for conspiring against 
uh, Yennefer and everybody. And the fact that they find out that, oh, he just wants to remove elves from the planet completely. Um, which is also kind of a weird thing because in this world, elves were the ruling people at one point, And then during a convergence, it's human, humans, humans and monsters appeared on the planet. And now the humans run everything and they're like, oh yeah, let's kill all the fucking elves. Get rid of them. Yeah. It's like, they're the ones running shit. Why? How the fuck do they not defend their lands properly? <coughs> yeah. Yeah. And why were humans not like, how do we get home? <laughs> they were just, they're like, oh, I guess we're here. We're here. We're going to stay here. Hope <laughs> Um, But basically they find out that through their deduction of everything that's gone on and the fact that Yennefer was attacked, um, that there's so another, another person conspiring against peace. Um, and they figure out who it is, and but we don't see what happens after that because they run off to go again. The episode ends. Yep. So the next uh, three episodes, six, seven, eight, should be what happened. Uh, will be the finale for this season, and then everybody's gonna stop watching because nobody wants to watch this without Henry Cavill. Yeah, because he's <clears throat> for as bad as the writing and everything is in the show. Henry Cavill does carry it. So so well, and he is a great uh, Gerald of Rivia. And that's the thing with the writing is that writing this like obligatory like we have to have a ball episode feels it like such an amateur that. move that wasn't foreshadowed well enough, wasn't played up as this is a normal thing that happens because mm-hmm. they don't because like the last big ball we were at was like where Siri was where like the where Siri was like con- not conceived but like hey you owe Siri is owed to Gerald now because of the that oath. Yeah. And that was at a castle, which, yeah, yeah they have balls a, and shit at castles. Yeah, it was just a random-ass party. At, at political at political strongholds of government, they have the, have those balls and parties. They don't have it at the mages' torturing and education school. <laughs> Torture and education. So that's why it was weird that that, that, that episode happens where they have everybody all dressed up just for the sake of dressing up, and it feels like such an amateur, childish... Not childish, but an amateur thing to write into a show that's obligatory for like every teenage drama to have that prom episode where oh everybody mm-hmm. gets to finally dress up nice and gets to clean up and we get to see them be all proper and pretty and then uh, maybe do some spycraft talking here and there and it's like you could have done that a better way. There's way better ways of doing that. I wish they would just have gone to the conclave, called out who they wanted to accuse, get their proof, and like have like. Them sitting there talking about all these instances that happened in the past and how this person was actually connected to it. Yeah. And have that type of reveal instead of telling us about the party three different times, which we all saw happen. And even watching as it happens the first time, we're like, oh, okay, that's a fake fight. Yeah. There obviously something happened that we didn't hear that they're making a distraction for. Because, like, Gerald would never, like, just start a fight over Yennefer. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's it's it, so obvious that, like, we don't need it to be explained to us. I feel like those are some of those things that, like, in Willow they had that party episode with the with the forest folk where they all got mm-hmm. high in shrooms. They had, like, yeah. a obligatory drug episode. This is the obligatory, like, party episode. It's like, why do we have... Why do you guys do this shit? <sighs> Your well, viewers I kind of see stupid. it for Willow because they were celebrating uh, one of their own coming back. Yeah, but like it was but, just but it didn't yeah, move it just plot didn't, forward anywhere. There yeah, were, this the plot movement in this was like five five ten minutes of this episode was plot. Yeah, the rest of it was just boring bullshit. Hey, look at all the female wizards trying to hit on Geralt. It's funny, ha 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 ha. 
Like, no, oh. this is stupid. Like, why is everybody throwing themselves at Geralt? Why- well, have you have you seen Henry Cavill? Yes, but still. I mean, you would throw yourself at him as well. You're like, yes, <coughs> or I will paint little figures. Which was, with is you what it felt well. like. Is like every female cast member is like, oh, here's a chance where I'm actually in a scene with Henry I'm Cavill. I'm gonna touch him. I'm gonna throw myself on him so I can touch him. <laughs> yeah. yeah <see? laughs> so. Uh, we'll finish the last three episodes this week, and we'll talk about <gasps> that next week and whatnot. Um, last thing to talk about, which was a really good show, is Good Omens. We, we binge watched watch the whole thing because they just dropped it all, which kind of pissed me off because I wanted it to be every week, just to draw it out more. But, oh, it is so good. Yeah, oh, my God. Really, really good show. Ended kind of weird, but it was still uh, really good. It, it pulled out your heartstrings so much at the end. I'm like, oh, oh. I left numb at the end. I'd say what's very different about it is the first season, you all, you know from the get-go, Antichrist is here, they're going to try and stop the Arm- stop Armageddon. Mm-hmm. This season well, more of a is, mystery is a giant season. mystery because they have no idea what's going on, why anything's happening, and how it all kind of rolls out at the end, uh, or results itself at the end, was a big uh, mystery that even as you're watching, you're like, what's going on here? Because there's not a whole lot of foreshadowing revealing to what actually happens. Um, very good. Six episodes. It's on Prime. You can watch it now. You'll binge watch it because it's, it's good. If you like the first season, you'll also really like the second season yeah. as well. <clears throat> and and so- it's a lot of uh, Azerfell and Crawley. So you, if you love those peop- you know, characters, you're going to get a shit ton of them in Yeah, because I season. feel like in the first season you're like... I want to see more of them doing shit together. And yeah. so, like, this season is just them always together doing stuff. Yep. And you see a lot of flashbacks with them doing stuff together. So, it's like you see a whole bunch of their friendship growth. Which is it's very interesting. Like, them going over, like, the Book of Job and, like, how God uh, basically punished the shit out of Job to test him and then reward him. And, like, how they got involved in that to, like, not really fuck Job over. Because, like, their idea was, like, oh, well, like, if he passes the test... We'll double everything he has. He has three kids now. He'll give six. Well, no, we'll give him seven kids. It's like because God loves the number seven. And they're <laughs> like, well, maybe he'll like he'll have the three kids back, and then he'll have like four more kids. They're like, no, like, no, no, no. new children. No, she's gonna have birth seven more times. And it's they're like, like, um, she's like in her fifties, dude. That's not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm pretty sure they like their kids. They don't want new kids. Yeah. <laughs> um. So like, that's the whole thing with Book of Job. There's a whole thing in um. In like 18th century uh, Scotland, with yeah. like digging up bodies and like, is it was it evil? Was it not evil? Kind of like the ends, uh, the means make the ends work. And justifies the means. Ends justify the means. What was happening? Yeah. Um, like them learning lessons about good and evil amongst themselves, and kind of how uh, Azrael or Michael Sheen's, Michael Sheen's character kind of gets this position where. Uh, they were in the very, in the beginning of the first season. Were like they're on their own sides. Yeah. They don't not necessarily work for heaven, not necessarily work for hell. They kind of do their own thing. And just try not to get in <clears throat> heaven and hell's yeah. like eye line, pretty much from uh, the get go of this, the start of this season. Yeah. Now, what was a nice, really nice return was me was Miranda Richardson's who played. Uh, the Jezebel in the first season of uh, next to the Witch Hunters uh, house uh, or apartment, uh, she came back comes back as a different character as uh, character Shax, which is like 
A demon. A demon who, I guess, took over Crowley's role after the first season. So Crowley lives in his car now. Yeah, because we were like, why is his plants in the back of his car? And then we listened to, like, the last episode, he asked if he can have his flat back. Um, and, like, they tell him no. So basically, I think she took over his role, but gets his mail and delivers it to him. And he lives in his car now. Because he, I guess, the flat was a, a flat owned by hell. Uh, yeah. For his position. <laughs> And when he basically went rogue and they both sides like, fine, we'll leave you two alone. Like, they cut, they cut him off of what uh, they had of his. But she comes back as a demon that's kind of trying to work her way up to a higher position, as all demons are trying to do. Where Crowley was, basically because he was a higher-up angel, got a, per- got a perfect position for himself as a demon in Temptations just to be on Earth and do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. <clears throat> Because um, what we kind of learn more in this se- this season is kind of how the hierarchies work mm-hmm. in both heaven and hell. Um, but the big mystery here is that Gabriel shows up on Earth naked and goes to the bookstore. And has no memory has that no he's memory Gabriel. That he's Gabriel or what the hell's going on. And so and, the whole season is them trying to figure it out. Yeah, figure out why Gabriel lost his memory, why he's on Earth. And also keep him hidden from heaven and hell who are both hunting him. Yeah. Um, now we'll go to some spoiler stuff, so if you don't want to know, you can stop listening here, and we will see you next week when we talk about stuff, uh, or talk about The Witcher or whatever else we, we will be watching. Yes. Um, but for the spoilers now for Good Omens is that, um, basically we find out that Heaven was like, hey, we're going to do another Armageddon, but, um... Since the last one Since the last one failed. failed. But basically Gabriel said, nah, I don't want to do that, we're not going to do it, I'm the high angel, I decide we're not doing this shit. And so they basically kick him out and fire him. But before they can wipe his memory and kick him out, he just leaves and goes to Earth and basically stashes his own memory so that they so that heaven can't erase it for him. Yeah. Um and then the stakes get raised up higher because like Michael and uh Azrael and I are like or have the power or claim that they have the power to remove you from the book of life if you're helping Gabriel or if you're harboring him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means that they would never have existed whatsoever. They'll remove them from existence. Um, which wouldn't be good because Azrafel and Crowley saved the world. So they got erased from its, from existence. That wouldn't really work out right. Yeah. <clears throat> but basically, they're harboring him. Hell wants to find Gabriel so they can deliver him to Satan as like a gift or something. Um which, well, at least that's what we're told, but it turns out that's not why Beelzebub wants Gabriel. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that later. But throughout all this, there's also this, like, love story of Azrael, Azrael and Crowley trying to get these two shop owners to fall in love because one likes the other. But she finds that the coffee shop owner has a partner, but it's kind of an abusive partner. Yeah. Emotionally abusive. Yeah, so, like, honestly, her character was like, cool, you have a partner or whatever, and was yep, done Yeah, I'll back it. off. But the angels being angels and demons not understanding human beings start meddling in their lives, and it kind of cover up them. It's to cover up their miracle of hiding, hiding, hiding Gabriel. Because Gabriel. they basically perform, they were both trying to perform half a miracle each to try and hide Gabriel from anybody who's searching for him, but unfortunately it was a huge... It was too well, and it it turned out to be a big miracle that alerted heaven and hell, so... Mainly heaven. Heaven, Yeah, mainly heaven. Heaven noticed it and was like, what the fuck's going on in the bookshop? And so Michael and... um, I forget the other two. Come down to talk to Azarfell, 
And that's when he lies to him and says, oh, no, the miracle was to get these two, two people, people to fall, fall in love. love. So that's kind of a little side story of uh, trying to get those two to fall in love and to get together. And they said, oh, it takes, you know, several days for this to happen. Yeah, because naturally. they send another person to check up on them. And the thing is, what's apparent throughout the entire series and done also in the first season is that the angels have no idea how humans work. Yeah. Like, they're so out of the loop of it that only people who understand humans is Crowley and Azrafel, or even demons in hell, have no idea how humans work. And the thing is that throughout this, they played up your war with, like, oh, yeah, you know how humans are. It takes a couple of days for, like, that shit to happen. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course I know. Oh, you know how childbirth works. Like, yeah, I was there for the first childbirth. And, like, you know, you take the rib from the human. That's how you have, child, have children. Yes. It's like, no, they don't understand life at all. Because <laughs> they're in heaven, they don't care, right? All people in heaven care about is winning the war against hell, which they yep. can't have a war until Armageddon happens. That's why they're trying to plan a second Armageddon. Yep. And then demons just want to have their their war with hell with heaven as well. But throughout all this, like the side love story and like the little back history on uh, Crowley and Azrafel's friendship uh, and their partnership throughout the centuries or whatnot. Kind of all leads into what actually ended up happening is that <clears throat> Gabriel and Beelzebub were meeting uh, on Earth after the after, Armageddon uh, or failed Armageddon. Yeah, because they had their little moment at the end of the first season. Where like, do you know how hard it is to tell ten thousand angels to stand off from their war post? Like, try to tell ten thousand demons to go back to work. Like, they had their connection. Like, oh, this person understands my problems. Yeah. They, they, too, are in the same position yeah. I am, and it fucking sucks. I can talk to you about this. So they start meeting up, and kind of the plan of, like, okay, let's not have an Armageddon. Let's just leave everything status quo. Good thing we'll never talk about this again. And they, they keep coming back Fact. and meeting each other. Yeah. And then uh, one of the big one of the clues that uh, Azrafel hunts down is that there's this pub in, in Edinburgh, Edinburgh. Edinburgh that... The Ju- Resurrectionist Pub, yeah, which where, is not real. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's not a real pub. But the jukebox there, every record will suddenly start playing uh, every day, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, over and over, all uh, all the time. And that's because when they were there, Beelzebub mentioned she liked the song, and so Azrael or so Gabriel made it so that every time uh, weary souls come in there, that song will uh, play for them. So eventually the record always turns into every day. And Azrael finds this out because the gal that he's trying to make fall in love runs a record store. And she says, yeah, they keep sending me this record back all the time. Saying that every record turns into it eventually. Even though I keep sending them different ones. Yeah. <clears throat> but that's what happens. Basically, Gabriel and Beelzebub fall in love with each other because they, they it's somebody who can understand their plight of their jobs. And it's not like really playing like, hey, they want to be here. It's just like they just kind of like hanging out with each other. And so basically, when they fired Gabriel, this is fine. Fuck you, I'm leaving. His original plan was to go to Beelzebub. Yep, go to Earth, meet up with Beelzebub, and they go off and do their own thing. Poe says he took his memory out so that they couldn't erase it. Uh, the only thing he could think of was go to the bookstore. Yep. <laughs> Show up naked at the bookstore. Because <laughs> Azrafel would help him, which is what he does. And like, yeah. this whole thing comes into like a big... like. 100 or 70 demons army trying to break into the bookstore uh then trying to pr- protect all the shop owners of the street who who were in there at the time when he puts a jane austen ball on to try and get the two people to fall in love and ultimately those those two guys coming and telling at least crowley that hey 
you guys are idiots. Stop meddling with our fucking lives. Yeah. When she's ready to date, maybe we'll date. I'll definitely, I'll definitely be there for her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, stop meddling with us and understand that, hey, dude, you have a relationship with Azrafel. Like, you guys belong together. Like, talk about that. <clears throat> yeah, this is where, like, the ending gets weird, right? Because, like, everything gets resolved when Gabriel gets his memory back and he basically explains it and then him and Bilzebub go off and do whatever the fuck they want. Yep. And, and then the angels were were going to punish Azrafel, but then um, Metatron Metatron shows up and is like, uh, "You two have zero authority. Go fuck off." Yeah, and he sends them away, <clears throat> except for the uh, one little angel that's just kind of a the newest like, the newest little runt that he's like, "No, you stay here, you hang out." Yeah, because basically how this ends is that the Metatron offers Azrafel Gabriel's job. Yep. And then tells him, hey, if you want, you can take Crowley and make him an angel. You'll again. Ha- you'll have that power to bring him up and be- bring him up as an angel again, and he won't have to be a demon. Yep. And, so, and Crowley can be your second in command if you want. Yeah. So, like, Azure feels, like, cool, delighted. This is- <laughs> like, oh, this is awesome. Me and Crowley can be angels again. Like, yeah, shoot. And, like... Uh, hang out. And, like, again, he's missing the point. It's not that Crowley wants to be a demon, Crowley doesn't like either side. He thinks both of them are toxic and they're horrible, and that's why he doesn't want to work for either or, because throughout the first season, you constantly saw him, like, even with, like, Noah's Ark, it's like, oh, God's going to kill everybody? Like, even kids? Like, yeah. really? Like, why is God going to kill kids? Like, this is just wrong. <laughs> and you see that a lot in uh, with, with, with Job. Job. Yeah, like, Because he, he's like, because <clears throat> Azrafel's like, you killed the children. He's like, no, I didn't. They're, yeah, like, they're, or no, he the said the goats. He's like, you killed the goats, and they're like, no, they're just crows. Yeah, he turned the goats all into crows <laughs> instead of killing them. And they and, and they bleat. <laughs> it's funny. And instead of killing the kids, he just turned them all to lizards. Yeah. Um, because, well, he turned two of them into lizards because he's like, you two are really annoying as hell. And yeah, there were snotty kids that deserved to kill actually. Yeah. Except for the youngest yeah. one. The youngest one, he does turn to a lizard. He just turns yeah. into a blue lizard that she asked for. Because she asked for Because yeah. she's like, oh, I want to be a lizard. He's like, no, you haven't annoyed me yet. She's like, well, but can I be a blue one? He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and just turned her into a lizard, yeah. It was adorable. Because, like, Crowley doesn't want to kill humans any more than, like, Azrafel wants to either. Um, and he's a fallen angel because he's questioned God, not because he's sided with Satan or anything like that. Um, so, Azrafel, like, gives him that deal, like, hey, this is what we can do, and he misses the point that Crowley doesn't want to be on either side, because both of them are stupid. Yeah. <clears throat> both of them want to end the Earth one way or the other, eventually, which they don't like. They like living on Earth. Or mm-hmm. Crowley likes being on Earth. And he realizes that, after his talk with Nina and them, is that, um, he want his happiness is being with Azrafel, but, like... Azrafel wants to make a difference and understands that as a Metatron he can, but doesn't. Well, he's not going to be a Metatron. He's going to be, be a Metatron. He's going to be the high ar- high archangel, like Gabriel's role. Yeah. Um, but like it's not until like the very very end where like the Metatron tells me, yeah, we'll have lots of work for you to do with the great plan. He asks, well, what's the great plan? Well, oh, the, well, before that, uh, Crowley tells Azrafel exactly how he feels, and he kisses him, and then he walks away, hoping that. Uh, Azrafel will Make not the right take decision. the job. Yeah, that's right. Because he doesn't leave. He stays. He stands by his car, watching, waiting to see what Azrafel's going to do. Um, Azrafel doesn't is kind of conflicted. He's pissed at Crowley, but he's like doesn't want to be upset. 
Yeah. Well, he's upset because he feel that he lost his friend in all this. Yeah, because the thing, but like, and I think, because of his decision to go back. And I think Crowley's right though, where he said, "Oh, I agree." Where, Crowley's right. Crowley's always right. Because Ezra's being misled, thinking that he can make changes and he can do things the way he wants to do it, but Metron still has a plan that they want to execute. Yeah. Which he then calls it's called the Second Coming, which that's also Armageddon. <laughs> yeah. When Jesus comes back, is when Armageddon is supposed to happen again, anyway. So, as Crowley was saying. They both want to destroy the world. They're both going to kill everything and destroy everything. Why be with either side? They're both toxic. Let's just get out of here and go away and be with each other. Yeah. Um. Throughout that confusion, like I feel like, because Metron did tell tell Adderfield beforehand, like, hey, take your time and make a decision. Yeah, he said you have <clears throat> all the time in the world to make your decision. Yeah, like, so he didn't have to make the decision that afternoon. I wish they would more ended with him, like, taking the time to contemplate that. Yeah. And then, like, maybe the Metron's, like, going to come back a month later and try and push him on or something like that. And then he might finally have to make the decision of yes or no. Because it's, like, Metron's still hanging around there and it's like, hey, what's your decision? It's like, well, you said I have all the time in the world. Go fuck off and let me have all the time yeah, in the world Yeah, let decide. me think. This is a big responsibility. Yeah, instead, like, he, it's he's pushing the matter anyway. And so Azrafil feels like he has to give an answer now. Mm-hmm. And so his answer is, I'm going to go with you and take Gabriel's place and leave Crowley behind. And then it just ends with Crowley driving off in his car and him in the elevator. Going up to heaven. And it's just That's the close end of up it. of their faces. Crowley looking sad. And then Azrael, you slowly see Such a, a smile, smile yeah. as he gets to go back up to heaven. It's it's a weird. It's a weird. It's a it's weird heavy, yeah. though. It's weird, but it's so heavy. But I like this, seri- this series and this season was really good. Because how they ended it, I'm hoping they do a season three, but I could see why they wouldn't. It's weird, too, because like the end of the first season, they didn't have to do a second season. It's like, cool. Oh, no. It could have ended right there. Well, because the first season, it was just all by the book by uh, Neil Gaiman. Uh, this is completely different. This doesn't follow any book. Okay. It's just the characters. So, yeah, where they so, leave it at is like they... It's not there's not a resolved situation there. Crowley can't go back yeah. to hell. Um, plus, the demons of hell are going to still try to hunt him down, whatever they can. Um, Gabriel and Beelzebub have taken off. They're somewhere. They're not on Earth. <clears throat> yeah, they went. They went somewhere else. Yeah. And Azrael is going to heaven to see if he can change things. But like the reality will be like, no, you can't change things. Yeah. Because remember, like. Gabriel got fired for saying, no, I, we're not going to do Armageddon. Like, yep. I'm the high angel. I decide we're not going to do it, so we're not going to fucking do it. And they literally just fired him <laughs> to get the fuck out of here. Yep. <laughs> um, and basically, Metron at the end was like, yeah, we're not going to send two angels to hell like we did with Satan. Like, doing it a second time. A, yeah. Like, one was a good story. Doing it a second time means there's an institutional problem. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't we can't do it twice. And that's why Gabriel and Billsbo can just fuck, take off and do whatever they want. But, like, having Azrafil there, he's going to have to... Obviously, the Juno season, it's going to be him finding out that he can't change things. Heaven is dead set on the great plan being heaven wins the war against evil. With the second coming of Christ. And... But, like, what I like about the story is, like, the whole thing is, is, like, how the the Bible should be interpreted is, is that there's not... 
good and evil, there's gray. Mm-hmm. And, like, Crowley was the representation of that gray area where, like, even he says in the first season, like, I didn't fall. I just hung out with the wrong crowd. Yeah. Like, he wasn't against God. He just wanted some answers. Like, with being the biggest one being the very first episode here where, mm-hmm. like, Crowley's the angel that did, that created the universe, which he mentions in the first season, but, like, you actually see him create it this time. Yeah. Right from the get-go of uh, episode one is where you see Crowley creating the universe. And his whole point is, like, cool, I've created this thing because it take millions of years for the millions and billions of years for this thing to do all this cool stuff. And then as Azrael Azrael so, comes up and is like, like, oh, no. In <laughs> 6,000 years, we're destroying it all. It's like, what? Wait, why Why would you let make me build this thing? <laughs> That's going to do all this cool shit in a billion years, but then destroy it in 6,000. Yeah. Like, it's like killing it before it even learns to walk. And like yeah. that's where his questioning of God's plan comes in and why he pop was most likely uh, a fallen angel mm-hmm. when he didn't really need to be. Well, and also, I forget which episode, but they also come back to that uh, uh, where they talk about the black and the white and... You- clearly see Crowley saying no everything's shades of gray and you see Azrafel start to slowly go okay well maybe like dark shades of gray and lighter shades of gray yeah so you see Azrafel is slowly being swayed by Crowley like not everything is that black and white and that that was more of what the season was is showing how Crowley convinces Azrafel over the years that things are gray and that neither heaven or hell are correct and we need to we need to be people in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, what would have been nice if they referred more back to the first season of like, can't you see like, God's we don't know what God's plan was, but God let us save the world and stop Armageddon, right? Because we are the mediators of heaven and hell. We are the only two people who see the gray yeah. and understand human human life where nobody else does. Where Azrafil still has this in his head, like, oh, of course you would enjoy the demons because they're bad and we're good. Like. I give you offer to be an angel, you have to take it. Yeah. And not understand that Crawley's like, no, I don't want to be either. <laughs> exactly. I like being this intermediary demon. Like, even even all the bad stuff that Crawley does is, like, the little annoyances. He designed the M5 to be a traffic <laughs> yes. jam to annoy and cause a little bit of evil energy amongst everybody. <laughs> he shuts down the cell network to cause a little bit of inconvenience and people yelling at each other causes a little bit more evil. Because he knows, as he tells Shaq's character, because she says, every time I come up with a devious plan, the humans do something even worse. He's like, yeah, that's how it always is. I don't have to do anything because they always do it to themselves anyway. Yeah. He's like, they're very good at it. <laughs> so like, he focuses on the little things just to set people off to have them do more worse shit. Yep. And that's I kind of like that aspect of the angels and demons being more like Azrafel's doing little things that help people. Like, oh, you don't worry about paying your rent. I understand you don't have the money and like it's been hard times. Just keep your record short because I like your records. Yeah. Those little miracles are the nice things that I liked about how Azrafil interfered with stuff versus and how Crowley interfered with human beings with just doing little things to piss people off mm-hmm. that could be big, big projects, but it's just a minor inconvenience to people and not like, oh, I killed 100,000 people with this storm or something. Yeah. Because obviously they're both against it because they... They both thought, like, why is God punching Job? Like, he's the most, he's God's favorite. Why the fuck would he destroy all his shit? And then, and then when give him God, more of it to make it more of a burden for him. Exactly. And then when Job gets to talk to God, he's, God's like talking about fucking whales. Yeah, it's God, like, what the hell, dude? Yeah, when he talks to God, God bitches about it to him about how hard it is to make shit. And basically he comes back with, 
I think God said when I make a will, I can come back and back to and ask <laughs> yeah. him for help. Yeah. Um, because even then, then, that's the perfect representation of God, I think, because it's like nobody, you, like other stories, like you can't understand the voice of God. God has to talk, to, talk through the Metatron because God's voice is so powerful, it will blow your mind and you'll die and burst or whatnot. Is that God is too busy doing so much shit that even when you get the chance to talk to him, God does not know what to fucking talk to you about, but bitch about their own fucking problems. To the point where you're like, I don't, I, I just want you to stop smiting me. What the fuck? Oh no, you're telling me about how hard it is to make a whale and how you're very proud about making whales and nobody appreciates it. Okay, I love whales. What the fuck's a whale? I live in the fucking desert. Yes, I've never seen a whale. I've never yeah. used a whale product. <clears throat> Which like, help me do is really. I think that's a cool way for them to display God and religion in this show. That's why I really like it. Yeah, and they need more stuff like this because too many people in this world are like dead set on what their religion is and what the books what this book says or that book says and it's like religion and like good it's been like the good way we teach our children between good and evil right and wrong but like you've gotten too deep into it where like you're now doing too many people do too much evil with religion and not good enough good well they ignore the good parts like uh you know be kind to your neighbor help those in need and they just like no we're not going to help those in need we're going to do it the complete opposite or it's, they do good deeds to get credit. Yeah. Which, which is not the point. Which is, yeah, it's one of my pet peeves. Like, if you're going to do charity or whatnot, don't brag about it. Nobody needs to know that you gave so much money or whatever. Just give the fucking money yeah. and do the, you do the charity. Don't broadcast it to the world that how charitable you are. Because now you're just doing it for fucking credit and attention. It's, and it's no longer a charitable act. Exactly. All right. Well, anyway, that's good omens. Oh, you don't want to talk about the Transformers movie you watched? Oh, that is what we watched. We did watch Transformers. Yeah, we did watch it because it came out on the Paramount oh, yeah. Plus. And we were also going to talk about uh, Harley Quinn, which... Oh, Harley, this Harley... is going to be a long episode. Do you want to... Well, we can talk about more Harley Quinn next week, but at least okay. say Harley Quinn Season 4 is out. If you like the first three seasons, you'll like this one. It's still very good, very funny. Very raunchy. And very much on par with what it is. Uh, this season, if you forget... Is that Harley Quinn has joined the, the Bat, Bat family, family and Poison Ivy is now the head of the Legion of Doom. And it's them equating their relationship and their work lives together. Mm-hmm. Um, and Harley kind of having to learn that she's not supposed to kill villains. <laughs> with or ki- No, just kill people in general. Yeah. She can't do. And uh, Poison Ivy like dealing with being a female boss and nobody taking her seriously and then forcing her staff to fucking... Take her seriously. Yeah. Um, very funny. Very good show. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's not like... I think... like The Velma show was fucking terrible. This was a good spin off of the Harley Quinn comics that is Harley after Joker on her... Uh, by herself. And like do, having her relationship with uh, Poison Ivy in the show. It's done very well. So if you haven't seen it, definitely watch all the Harley Quinn stuff. It's really yeah. good. Very bingeable. Great to watch. Um... We watched Transformers uh, Rise of the Beast. Oh, boy. Fucking terrible movie. Boring and dumb. You, you don't need to watch it. Doesn't even fit in any timeline because supposedly... It's its own timeline. Yeah, supposedly... Office Prime says we've been here for seven years, but Bumblebee's been there since World War Two. <laughs> sure. From the Bumblebee movie or whatnot. Uh, and they even reference that, oh, yeah, Bumblebee, I know some humans have been nice to you, but I don't trust humans. It's like... How many times do we have to have Optimus Prime not fucking trust humans and have to learn how to trust people to fucking solve his problems? Because throughout this whole thing, Optimus Prime doesn't even make a fucking plan to solve any of this shit. Everyone else, all the people yeah. are making the plans. It felt very much like a 
Transformers from the 80s, the Transformer TV show, with just how the Transformers were interacting with the humans. And also what pissed me off is they didn't use the noise to transform. They do a different sound, and it pisses me off. I'm like, that's not the Transformers Well, it's also like Rise of the Beast, and the Beast are in the very beginning and the very end. stupid. And they have fur. How do they fucking have fur? And, like, they don't do anything. Like, they're barely in the movie. It's really stupid. Um, and also, like, they got to the point where they finally, like, oh, we gotta give the humans some type of thing so that they can actually fight a Transformer. So, like, the Mirage robot of, on, I guess, his deathbed turns into a suit that the kid wears, and then he becomes a human in a Transformer robot. So, basically, he's Mega Man. Mega Man? A literally or lo- Iron Man, you No, mean? he literally looks like Mega Man. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry, I was off Even cooking. Even his arm turns into a hand cannon. Oh. So God. he turns into Mega Man so he can actually fight the Transformers. Uh, they're bad Transformers. Um, but, like, that's not, like, the upper edge or anything. Because, I mean, like, the first time Optimus Prime and them fight these bad Transformers, they get their ass handed to them. Nothing changes from the first fight to the last fight to suddenly make Optimus Prime stronger to beat them. He just, yeah, I guess, gets better terrain to fight on or some bullshit. Sure. Why not? I mean, before his his weapons were doing nothing to the guy, and suddenly in the last fight they can they can cut off his arm. <laughs> I mean, God. it's just fucking stupid. Um, oh, it's didn't the, the mid credit scene show like it's supposed to merge with like GI Joe? Yeah, because I was wondering. There's <laughs> the billing on this movie is fucking weird, right? Because all the billing is not done correctly on it. The billing is done like ass backwards. Okay. Um, how? Let me pull up IMDb for it. Rise of the Beast, I think. Oh my god. Yeah, Transformers Rise of the Beast. So you look at the billing here. Okay. Alright, it's Anthony Ramos, the head human character, the head human character, uh, Laura Vela is the kid, the mom of the kid, and then it's some of the Transformers. Uh-huh. Um, and some random people, like the receptionist. Who the fuck were who, you? Who and why was the receptionist? Why are you the sixth person build on here? Why is the hotel security guard here? Uh, New York police officer, why are they build here? They had like very little lines. You have to actually go to the whole cast. Uh-huh. It's not... You, you don't want to edit. Where's the whole cast? I All cast and crew. Uh, where is it? Oh, right there. Cool. All cast and crew. You have to go all cast and crew to get to... Where is it? Oh, Optimus Prime and Primal, or like, what is that, 10th, 12th? Yeah, Peter Cullen and Ron Perlman, Peter Dinklage, Michelle Yeoh, Pete Davidson. Uh, a lot of these people, big fucking movie stars, all the way to the bottom of the billing on Why IMDb. Why is the billing so low? And then this is the thing I was wondering, like, Michael Kelly, Agent Burke. So I was like, Agent Burke, all right, so is there like an FBI thing showing up somewhere in the story? And they never showed up until the end. Where Miguel's or the main character is going in for a job interview, and it turns out like, oh well, we know about your little trip to Peru, and it turns out I think he's gonna be Sector Seven, uh-huh. but it turns out he's a he's with GI Joe, and so they're gonna merge Jesus Transformer Christ. and GI Joe, because uh, everyone asked for that. Well, I'm everyone s- asked. I'm for sure it. every did that, everyone did at one point. But how do you get Ron Perlman, Peter Dinklage, oh. and Michelle Yeoh? Even Pete Davidson, who I think is a terrible actor, but he was the main uh, Mirage uh, Transformer. Uh, At the bottom of the fucking list, you have security guards listed above them. Yeah. Like, I get, like, were you trying to hide who the characters were who were the Transformers? Maybe, but the movie's been out for a while. Change this fucking list. 
Oh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, g glad I, I didn't pay much attention to the film, but it sounded like I didn't really need to to get I, the whole point. I don't even know who this is. Amaru, Amaru's son, Amaru's wife, Amaru's granddaughter. Who the fuck is this character? Who like... Amaru you know what? I think that was the Peruvian people handing over the half of the key. Possibly, I yeah. think that's who it was. The people that had no voice lines yeah. at all. It's just fucking stupid. Wow. Um, like, last one, the last Transformer movies was, like, the Knights of the Round Table thing. That was dumb as well. Oh. Um, the Bumblebee movie had heart, and it was and it was somewhat good. Yeah. But I still think the very first Transformer movie, yeah, it's a Michael Bay movie. It's very childish. It's very much the head of a teenage boy. That's exactly what we wanted from it, and that's exactly what we got. And that's not bad that that first movie is a teenage male fantasy. That's what fucking Transformers were. They were toys for kids. Yeah, specifically aimed for boys. Yeah, so I mean... Because it was a toy in the fucking 80s. That's why that the first movie, I think, is the best Transformers movie, the only one you really should watch. The rest are just... If you want to see special effects and loud noises, watch the rest and of them. And Michael Bay effects, yeah. go at it. But like this wasn't a Michael Bay movie. No. Um, this was directed by Stephen Caple Jr. and written by a bunch of different people. Um, but definitely, Nazgiz is the first one. Fucking boring as hell. Yeah. Uh, like, literally, I fell asleep during an action sequence to wake up for, like, the end, and it's like, oh, okay, well, nothing really happened. They, <laughs> the Transformers rolled down a fucking mountain in Peru, and then they finally ended up losing their losing the key. Okay, whatever. So, I mean, yeah. They, they put a lot of star power behind the voices, which was not what they did in the very first Transformers film. I right. feel like that's a mistake, because instead of paying attention to the characters, you're like, oh, that's Michelle Yeoh, oh, that's Pete Davidson, oh, that's this person. Like... Just like get let just the get, actors act. Where I feel like a lot of these actors are are should not be delegated to voice roles. Yeah, yeah. So movie can totally skip. I don't know why they keep making these. I mean, I guess they're making money. Oh, actually, this movie probably bombed us because it came out only a few months ago. With that, yeah. Um. Hopefully, they stop making Transformer movies. I mean, these toy movies have gone shitty. Uh, I know Mattel's gonna start making a bunch more. But Polly Pocket movie, here we come. But those are all going to be like social commentary movies in comparison to like Slice of Life stuff versus action mm -hmm. flicks. I think public's tired of action cart action toy movies like Transformers and Battleship and all that shit and G.I. Joe. Those have all kind of like fallen apart. Yeah. We're sick of, out of comic book movies and stuff because their stores are getting muddled and working like comic books now where you're going to start picking choosing which comic book here you want to watch, which is going to divide the audience and not everybody's going to go see everything. Um, the DCU universe is completely <laughs> fucked and nobody cares. So nobody wants to watch any of that shit. We gotta get, stop getting nostalgia. So hopefully with the writer strike and the actor strike, again, we get indie films, we get uh, more foreign films, more new ideas and new franchises instead of... Get fresh breath back into this industry because, yep. good lord, we freaking need it. Yep, definitely. So that's our show for this week. We'll yep. talk to you guys next week about... Uh, other stuff that we'll wa we will have watched in the scene between now and then. Well, one of them will be Witcher. Yeah, we'll finish up Witcher. D don't and know what the other's going to be, but we'll figure it out. There's other shows coming out here fairly soon, like Ahsoka's coming out. But that's end of August. Uh, yeah, some stuff is at end of August, but there's other stuff I think that should be coming out. We'll have to look up what it is. Um, yeah. Murders in the Building's <gasps> coming back. Only Murders in the Building. <laughs> I'm so excited. That was a great show. Yes. Don't die. That's coming back here pretty soon, so we'll be watching that. 
um, as well as a few other things. So catch us next week. We'll be talking about it. We'll probably give more. We'll probably give some game reviews because we've been playing a lot of Diablo Season 1, so we'll see how far we get through that. Uh, we'll give yes. our opinions on how the seasons work and maybe some other games too. So yeah. we'll see you then. Have a great day. Bye.